Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Good afternoon, Kim. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, although it's a little cold here. We've got snow. Yeah. Yep. It's uh it's definitely um winter. Yeah, it's that time of the year. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, happy 2020. Yeehaw, I know, right? I don't know if I, I, I ever thought I would see 2020 when I was younger. It's not like I thought I was going to die young, but I just, uh, 2020 is just way out there. But Wasn't it just 1980? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Although some of those probably, 80s I could probably forget about and I'd be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, I think, I think I'm dating myself, but um, yeah, <laughs> I think it was just 1980. <laughs> so. Yeah, so for 2020, what are we starting off with? Well, I thought we would talk about what we're kind of seeing as the trends for not just the, the year 2020, but but kind of moving into the new decade because mm-hmm. we're here. We are a brand new decade, and and there are some some clear trends that we're looking at in terms of sustainability and the sustainable trends. So, All so right. that's what we're going to talk about today. Good deal. I'll let you yeah. kick it off and teach me some things. Yeah, yeah. So, so as we've we're putting the last decade behind us, but there there are some definite clear trends that are shaping the decade to come. And so, yeah. So here we are. It's January 2020, and looking at sustainability issues, and we're we're clearly, as we know, facing a climate crisis, and we really need to look at how we push businesses to do better, not just do better, but do much better. And what we need to do to shape the world that we're living in and how we can make a difference. So, so I've kind of narrowed it down. I mean, there's, there's really a lot of things we could talk about, but I've kind of narrowed it down to six big topics. And so I want to cover those six big topics that are trending in the sustainability world. So All right. we'll, we'll jump right in. And the first one is, of, of course, looking at fossil fuels and how we can kind of curb the use of that moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of a trend for a while, but if we kind of look at the statistics, fossil fuels count for 80% of the energy usage in the US. Mm. And and only about 11% are renewables. And then, you know, there's some a few other things out there, but we really have to kind of push that needle more towards renewables going forward in this next decade and We've had a couple of podcasts on that issue, talked about fossil fuel divestment versus shareholder advocacy. You know, we've done, we've done, done that big podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, please go back and listen to the fossil fuel divestment versus advocacy one. We had Hunter Lovins on mm-hmm. a, another podcast and, and her predictions for the future and so we really, we really do talk about this a lot, but it, and, and it's a trend, it's a big trend, and this next decade is really pivotal. And, and so what we're, we're really talking about in terms of a trend is reducing the reliance on energy consumption in general. And so it's, it's a big issue. Yeah, it's absolutely. Not, 
not going to go away. It's it's a trend in business. It's a trend in, of course, electric vehicles. You know, with business, we talk about LED lighting, uh, lead certification in buildings, smart homes. All of these are critical in reducing our energy consumption. So it's it's not just the right thing to do, but it's also good for our planet. It's, it's really going to boost the economy, and, and it's really good for businesses' bottom line. They're going to save money. They're going to do better in business. They're going to they're going to move the needle forward. And on a personal level, um, you know, we need to we need to, of course, be a, ahead of this trend, and we need to to do uh, a, a lot of work in the ter- in terms of climate change. So it's it's just a it's a trend that is not going away. Yeah, I agree. I, I personally, I'm kind of a geek, and so back in December, I was actually, I think it was back in November. I was very excited that I was able to take advantage of a couple really good online prices for uh, some Amazon Echo Dots, having Alexa. Uh-huh. And and so I like the smart home stuff. And I'll tell you what, it does, being that they were so cheap at that point, it does save me money, bottom line, because my thermostat is controlled by that. And, and thermostats have had timers for a long time, but it wasn't always easy to make sure that you knew exactly who was going to be in the house at what time, so on and so forth. But this makes it so much easier. And instead of having the heat running all day long or the air conditioner running all day long when the house is empty, you know, you can save quite a bit of money and obviously energy and then, you know, translate that into other things and lights turning off and, and being able to program things. I do believe that's one thing that is, you know, that can definitely help. And obviously there's an upfront cost, but it doesn't have to be that much. And in the long run, it's going to save more than just money and energy. Um, it's going to save more than that. So I think that's a, a great thing. And I've been seeing a lot on the ability to make batteries differently. And I've been doing a little bit of yes. research on that because my wife would love a Tesla. Uh, we, mm, that's not yes. on our agenda yet. <laughs> but yeah. you're not in our budget yet. But eventually, uh, that would be something that we'd right. like to do. Just kind of researching and seeing the, the advancements in battery creation that last two to three times as long as what's even in a Tesla right now as far mm-hmm. as what it can hold. I mean, that that's game-changing. And so I'm very excited to see what happens within the next five years on that right. front, for sure. Well, and and my wife's car is um, it's getting close to 200,000 miles on it. So we're thinking, you know, it's it's a Subaru. It's going to drive for a little while longer, mm. but, you know, it's maybe another 50,000 miles to it. And we're thinking, well, it's time to start thinking what's the next car going to be yeah. for her. And so we are looking again, you know, what should we get an electric vehicle? What does that look like? Um, you know, what are our options? Will it be a, a Tesla or uh, something that we can can think about that will be more um, fuel efficient or uh, less reliant on fossil fuels? So yeah. absolutely, yeah. Those are important Those questions. Are yeah, very important questions. And how can we, you know, look look towards that? You know, and you know, we we try to commute as much as possible together, but we do live out of town, and so sometimes we do have to take separate vehicles. So we have to think about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in terms of what we're going to do. Yeah. So trend number two that we're seeing for 2020 and, and beyond is something I find really interesting. And, and it's, it's a more plant-based diet. And, and we did talk about this a little bit recently. And, and it really is a, a bigger trend. And, and there's some data that was gathered by a firm called Global Data. Uh, and there is a huge rise in not just vegetarianism but veganism and uh, and these are 
very true data trends, the rise of plant-based eating. It's probably one of the main sustainability trends to really watch over the next decade. Mm-hmm. Um, Nestle, uh, which is not always one of the more popular companies, <laughs> you know, in terms of investing, but uh-huh. but it is the world's largest food conglomerate. And, and they are saying that plant-based eating is a trend that's here to stay. And, you know, we wonder why, why is that important? Why is plant-based eating important? But it's less water consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, it's depending on how you do it. It's often better health benefits. It is a, a, a better carbon footprint for the, for the earth. And it is, it's overall better for the environment. And, you know, we, we did talk about this in terms of you know, remember the the water consumption for exactly. Beef. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, still thinking about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I will not get that out of my head. But you know, overall, we think about water for corn, it, which can be a big issue too. But plant based eating is is a huge trend that we we are seeing, and it, it's it's not going away. And a lot of that has to do with younger generations, and a lot of these trends that we're going to talk about really are coming up from from the millennial and the youth-based factors that we're, we're seeing. So so that's very interesting. Yes, and, and for those that were just listening to this and wondering, what are we talking about, water consumption and beef, it, it takes a lot of water to, to have, you know, to basically grow one cow from, you know, birth to, to slaughter, I guess is what you would say. But yes. yeah, it's a crazy amount. I mean, it's, it's I think it's 1,800 gallons for a one pound is kind right. of what that is. And then I know that, <laughs> Kim, you calculated out, I can't remember how much it was, a million, yeah, a million gallons of water, something well above a million gallons right. of water for one cow. So that's that's insane. And and so that, yeah. go back and listen to that podcast as well because it right. was it was interesting for sure. Right. And and not that it's wrong to eat uh, a meat-based diet if if that's what you choose, but we have to be very conscious about how we do that. And even going to a vegetarian diet twice a, a week is much better for the planet. It doesn't have to be seven days a week, 24-7, but reducing our meat consumption is is much better for the planet mm-hmm. and, and our carbon footprint for sure. The third trend that we're, we're really seeing, and, and we've seen it for the last five years or so, there's been a huge push to reduce single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. And, and this is also extremely important, but you know, it, it's a very good reason there, there really is an immense amount of plastic in our oceans. Yes. The, the damage that is being done in, in the oceans is, it's, it's ridiculous. The National Center for Ecological Analysis and, and Synthesis, that, that is actually, actually a, an organization, <laughs> they, they say that there's, and it's, the number is, it, it's very hard to calculate, but they say there's somewhere between 4.8 and 12.7 million metric tons of plastic material that ends up in the ocean each year. That's not total. That's yeah. each year. So somewhere between 5 and 13 million metric tons of plastic material each yeah. year ends up in the ocean. And, and what's happening is we're, just, we're killing hundreds of thousands of animals in our oceans each year. Um, and and it's it's problematic on on so many levels. And you know, consumers are are really outraged and really moving the tide in this this direction. And, and pun intended. There, <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, um, you know what we're we're doing is we're demanding our companies and our stores 
to cut back on the use of plastics and the packaging and the wrapping and um, what they're, you know, producing and and putting out uh, our consume, you know, our what we're consuming in. So instead of going into the store and buying an item that's wrapped three times, we're saying enough. Yeah, this is unnecessary. Um, you know, and and if you're on Facebook, you've probably seen the meme of somebody who has peeled an orange and then put it in a plastic container to sell. Yes. You know, if you haven't seen that, it's sort of, you know, it's sort of the ridiculousness of, of what we're doing, you know, but we're, we're really pushing the, the envelope here on companies like Amazon to do better and reduce their packaging. And we're doing that with our voting power. We're filing resolutions and asking these companies and, and I'm picking on Amazon here because they are shipping so much product. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever ordered something from Amazon, which almost everyone has, and you've opened that box, this huge box, stuffed full of packaging with one tiny little pen in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we think, well, that was silly. Why didn't they just put that in an envelope? You know, so we've been pushing the envelope with Amazon to reduce their packaging. And they are moving in that direction and they have agreed to work on their packaging, which is good. But we also need to call out more businesses and companies and stores and, you know, cereal companies and all of these companies to say, this is unnecessary. Why do you put cereal in a plastic container and then inside of a box? Yeah. yeah. It's not necessary. So, you know, we need to continue to, to move in that direction. Why do we sell water in plastic bottles? Why are we still doing that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is, this is a, a, a big issue that we need to continue to, to work on. It's yeah, very I, important. Again, I think that you're right. The, the public is pushing for this and we, we just don't know the amount of damage that we're doing. And that's where people are finally getting that and saying, okay, since we don't truly know, we need to, we need to figure this out and just stop until we can get a handle on everything that we are doing and, and do it in a better way. And um, there was a study that I read back in, in December along the lines of what you were talking about as far as how much is in there. And uh, this group pulled out 1,000 liters or 264 gallons of water, ocean water. And they, you know, they posed the question, how much plastic do you expect to find in there? Microplastic and mini microplastic, how much do you expect to find? And people are you know, 50, 100 pieces in mm-hmm. this in this 264 gallons and it was 8.3 million pieces mm-hmm. of yeah. mini microplastic little things and that's stuff that just gets absorbed into the sea life and that gets eaten just by them breathing and and it, it, we just don't know what we're doing and we don't at this point some people have said we're it's too late to turn back not to be gloom and doom but some people think we're beyond the point where we can actually now change and clean the water that we have contaminated as badly as, as we have. I'm not under that belief. I think that we can change and we can figure out ways to clean <laughs> that water up uh, for all of us. And uh, I, I, I hope this trend doesn't stop or slow down. I hope it just ramps up and we hold companies more accountable. Right. Well, we certainly need to stop adding to it. Um, mm-hmm. It may be very difficult to clean what's already there, but right. we can certainly stop adding to what we're putting in there. Yep. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, The fourth trend that we're seeing, which has been very clear in the last six months or so, is the the youth advocates. And I truly, truly believe that 
it's our youth that will change the future. And it's not only the the very visible youth like Greta Thunberg and you know many of the other ones that we we've seen, but it you know it's the movements. Um, the global youth climate strikes that we're seeing, you know, more of us in this older generations, you know, are uh, haven't been paying attention, and the youth are asking us to do that, mm-hmm. and and the youth are are starting to, I think, push us in the right direction. Really, many of us in this in the older generations, and I, I'm, you know, I'm 51, but I'm putting myself in that category. We have been destroying this planet we're leaving it worse than we found it than we came into it mm-hmm. and the youth of today are outraged and rightly so you know they're demanding that we stop that we pay attention that we do something and it is time that we stop that we listen that we do something mm-hmm. and that you know some of us simply need to just stand back let the youth do what they need to do and help them so this is a trend that I really hope does not go away and that we, we do start listening more. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, the fifth trend that we're really seeing is, is one that was a little new to me. I found it in a couple of different places and I thought, I don't know anything about this and I had to do a little bit of research, but it really does make sense. And it's, it's being termed something called slow fashion. And yeah. I think a lot of people have heard of the term slow food but I had not heard of this term slow fashion. Me neither. But I, I did know that a lot of clothing ends up in landfills. I mm-hmm. knew that. I knew that was a big, uh, big component of this. And so, in, in fact, the, the number is a little bit staggering. Uh, and then around 92 million tons of clothing ends up in landfills each year. So what the idea behind slow fashion is to to look at um, more sustainable practices, of course, and more about clothing made to order. And the reason why they're looking about looking at this is because fashion is actually considered one of the largest polluters in the world. The fashion industry is really, yeah. And and I thought, well, okay, tell me why beyond just ending up in the landfills. And so I, I looked at this, and factories, clothing factories, release a lot of toxic wastewater. You think mm. about all of the chemicals that go into the processing of fabric, dyes, all of that, the, the synthetic fibers that get released into the ocean through the washing process. Mm. You know, it's uh, most clothing is not cotton. It's synthetic material. And, and simply, you know, clothing is considered disposable now. You know, we buy it, we wear it for a short period of time and off it goes. Some of it does go to resale shops, but a lot of it goes literally into a landfill. And it is amazing. Mm. So sometimes you you donate it to a resale shop, but they find it unusable or it's not resellable, and then it goes to a landfill. So Yeah, yep. yeah. I've experienced that. That's that's that really frustrates me now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yes. I, I there's actually a charity local to me that I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm going to open this up. I've done a little yeah. bit of dumpster diving, and yeah. uh, because we found out that they were throwing a ton of stuff away, yes. and like good jackets, winter jackets, winter gloves, winter boots, yes. and I would go in and, and grab those from that dumpster and take them to another charity who was super excited to get them because they would go 
on the street to the homeless, directly to the homeless. It's actually the Salvation Army. They have a street patrol. Mm. And they go yeah. right to the homeless every night during the winter and feed them and give them clothes. And and this Good. other charity was throwing these things away. And the things I didn't take, there were bags and bags and bags of children's clothing that were not winter clothes. So I, I just didn't think about grabbing those. But yeah. now it bothers me even more <laughs> that that yes. charity just was throwing away all that, that clothes. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of what we donate to what we think we're donating actually goes to a landfill. Yep. So I would like to encourage people to think about where you're taking your donations mm-hmm. and find out what they do with what they might consider unusable and look at what these charities are doing with your clothes mm-hmm. because they might consider it not resellable. So. Think yeah. about what, what you're doing with that. So we need to, you know, and, and I like this idea of the more made-to-order clothing rather than just going into a store and, you know, where they have 10 of the same shirts and just buying this same piece of clothing that everyone else might have. So this is the idea of slow fashion, made-to-order clothing. Yeah, and that, that's great. Uh, but at the same time, it, it has to be affordable. Yes, right. I mean that's that's the that's the concern that I have is mm-hmm. is that tailored clothes have been around forever, right? But right. who can afford that? And right. and so, you know, you're at Walmart or you're at you know Target or wherever. And, mm-hmm. Oh, I need to, I got to grab some t-shirts. I'm out of t-shirts. Or I need, I need right. that or the other thing. It, that's true. It's not always affordable. Um, but I know when I was growing up, um, my mother made a lot of our clothing mm-hmm. because it was more affordable. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So if you've got the skill to do it. That's that's fantastic. Yes. So yeah. there's definitely some changes that need to be made because you're you're absolutely right. They're cranking out all these clothes that just are going to waste. And and mm-hmm. I don't know how you can – now I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of the day, by the way, <laughs> how to repurpose, you know, some of those yes. clothes. Now, I do use, you know, old towels, old shirts. I'll, I'll cut yep. them up and I'll use them for garage rags and other things that I can, I can do, uh, you know, with them. But it's not everything. You know, I, I'm right. guilty of throwing away clothes for sure that, that are, yeah. you know, torn and unusable. Yes. And we actually donate a lot of our old towels and things like that to animal shelters who oh, do that's need. A great idea. Yeah. Yes. Because they're always asking for old towels, old blankets, things like that um, for the animals. So there are ways to reuse things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, women's shelters need clothing. Yes. Because they often leave with almost nothing. So, so there are ways to look at uh, uh, places for your donations where they desperately need things. So there are there are uh, options. Absolutely. Yeah. The other trend, the the sixth trend that I have, which uh, has has been around for a bit and is kind of building steam and and is something that I really like, is uh, sustainable travel. It's got a little bit of a twist huh. to it right now, and you know, people have heard of ecotourism things like that, but it's, it's going beyond that. You know, we, we, we talked a little bit about fuel efficient cars, things like that, but what I'm hearing more about is some people are swearing off air travel, which I find really interesting. Hmm. You know, for a while it was looking at carbon offsets for your air travel, um, maybe only traveling by train or bus, you know, that kind of thing, which was a little better for the environment. And now we're seeing a little bit of a trend for some people who are swearing off air travel. That I find to be rather interesting. 
I'm not sure I can personally jump on board with that. Mm. But there are a number of people who are doing that because they find or they feel that it is very bad for the environment. And, you know, it probably is. It's certainly worse than cars or buses or trains, especially in Europe. Of course, trains are much more efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I wish train travel in this country were better. Yes. It, it's, you know, my son just came to visit me and he came by train, which was great. But it's, you know, we just don't have trains that go enough places here in the U.S. to make it as efficient. You know, and again, it doesn't work for everyone, but there are some companies that are relying more on video conferencing rather than face-to-face travel mm-hmm. for work. Um, people are taking vacations closer to home. What we're seeing is there are often, this is often more among the millennial set, you know, the younger set where they're thinking they are not going to travel by by plane as much or at all. But there are some uh, other folks who are doing that. But I, I think this is a trend that may continue to grow over the next decade. And it's, it's uh, you know, concern over climate change that continues to expand this, this trend. So I, I think it may continue to grow if we don't see a bigger curb in climate change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm 100% on board with you, especially the train itself. It's a wonderful way to travel. It's much more relaxing than having to drive your, yourself. But you're absolutely right. Our infrastructure needs such vast improvement. Um, I remember we wanted, we were interested in taking the train down to El Paso, where my father-in-law lives, from Omaha. And so we, I checked into it, and I was like, wow, that is really, really expensive. And then I looked mm-hmm. at the time it would take us, 49 hours. What, wait a second. Well, it's because we had to go to California from Omaha, yeah. Nebraska, to come right. back to El Paso. Like, There's no kind of direct train anything you know right you know so there there just wasn't a good option for that and i I think that that is that's much different if if people are able to spend the extra time whether it be by train bus or car instead of flying i think that's fantastic you know i made a decision long ago that if if any of my clients were within 10 hours i would just drive Um, because plane changes and everything else number one it's it's not much longer for me to drive but also yeah, I just it I agree. It's it's a lot of fuel in a plane compared to mm-hmm. a vehicle or a car. Anyway, I, I think that would be great if we could figure out some infrastructure for for a rail system. Yes. A number of years ago, um, maybe eight years ago, we spent three weeks in Europe and we traveled by train to five different countries. Mm. And it was very efficient, it was pleasant and much less expensive, and we loved it. Yeah. And it would be great if we could do that here in this country. I would do it. Absolutely. But yes. Yeah. So those are kind of the main themes. I mean, there's a lot of other trends we're seeing. Some of them we've covered in previous podcasts. Some of these we've covered. They all kind of lead back to the issues around climate change, of course, because that is our big trend, Mm -hmm. the things that we're looking at. But these are the things that we're kind of seeing for 2020 and beyond for the next decade. It'll be interesting to see how they play out. Yeah, I, I appreciate it because, I mean, I learned a ton today. You've given me a lot of food for thought. Now I'm thinking more about all those extra T-shirts that I do have upstairs I'm trying to figure out what to do with. Yeah. I've got to figure something out even better. So thank you for for spending the time with me and, and our audience and, and educating us because that's important. Can you give us a sneak peek of what the next podcast will be? Yes. So the next podcast, we're going to continue working on those 17 UN. Ah, all right. Yeah, these UN trends, and we're going to 
jump ahead a little bit and we're going to talk about number 14 and 15. We're going to talk about land and under the water. All right. The, the things that the UN, their commitments, right? What their goals yes, are? Yes, the UN principles. Yeah. That's sustainability right. principles. Yeah. All right, Kim, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Eric. I love doing these podcasts. I love talking about sustainability. I love sharing what's going on in the world and it's just a passion. So it's great. All right. I'll look forward to the next one. And audience, thank you also for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661 don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available the companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation horizon sustainable financial services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of new mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.